0: I welcome you today to Pilgrim's Progress. We've had some technical difficulties, but hopefully those are all covered. Every Christian, every Christian is going to face the lion's den. The lion's den is for each of us that place of testing, that place of trial, that place where we have to make a decision about how we will stand or whether we will even stand, or whether we will be swept away into false doctrine, whether we will establish our beliefs based on our experience rather than on the Word of God we've been studying together the book of Daniel. I am primarily interested in the book of Daniel, not for the prophecies, although the prophecies are vitally important to us. I'm not interested primarily for the information. I am most interested in the story of Daniel to see who Daniel is as a man to see what decisions he made about his service to the Lord God of heaven, to see how he chose to walk in obedience to the Almighty. And the courage this man had. Astonishing courage. When we look at the very beginning of the book, we find Daniel being ripped out of his culture, Out of Jerusalem. He is a member of the royal family. He is taken a captive to Babylon. Probably had to walk all of the way. Was made a eunuch, probably, when he arrived in Babylon. And then he was chosen to go to school. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first thing Daniel resolved not to do was to defile himself with the royal food and wine. In other words, like David, King David, he said, I'm going to put my feet under the table of the Lord. I'm not going to dine on the unclean delicacies of King Nebuchadnezzar. He was allowed to do that. And so Nebuchadnezzar, finally tests Daniel and his three friends. And he found that they were ten times better than all of the magicians and, and enchanters in his whole kingdom. The Lord gave him wisdom. The Lord gave him understanding. He had to learn the language. He had to learn the culture. And because he was going into government service, he had to learn the entire system of governance. It was different than Judas. We've walked through these stories, but none of them bring to me the same intensity of Daniel's commitment to the Lord Jesus as we find in Daniel, the sixth chapter. Darius the Mede executes Belshazzar and takes the royal throne. He was an older man, 62 years of age. But of course, Daniel, at this point, is also an older man. Scholars believe he could have been in his 60s, 70s, or even 80 years of age. He is a mature man. He knows what his life is about. Darius is very concerned in the first days of his kingdom that he will lose his trade routes. Babylon had trade routes all over the then known world. He knew that the swamp, the administrators, knew how to maintain these trade routes. So he immediately appoints, they're called satraps, he appoints them, he appoints administrators, three of them, over these satraps. And Daniel, because he is a senior in the kingdom, is appointed as one of those three administrators. Now, Daniel immediately began to distinguish himself among the administrators by his exceptional judgment, his exceptional abilities in administration. And so the king decided he's going to, after some time, appoint Daniel as his chief administrative officer over all of the administrators and satraps of the nation. This does not please the other two administrators, and it doesn't please those who were in charge. But they could find no corruption in him. They tried to see if he was scamming the system, if he was making himself wealthy by business deals on the side, they found him to be absolutely trustworthy. He was not negligent, nor was he corrupt. And finally, these administrators said to each other, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now that is a man of honor. And they're very interested in finding some way to accuse him before the king and have him removed. So... One of the things the king was desirous of doing was to consolidate his power as any king would be. He wanted to consolidate his power and make certain that his subjects were loyal to him in the administration. And so these administrators got together. They went to the king without Daniel. And they said to the king, Look, you need to issue an edict. You need to enforce the decree that if anyone prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, he shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered, it cannot be changed. This was one of the checks." in the check and balance system of the kingdom of the Medo-Persians. It was not so in Nebuchadnezzar's time. Over Babylon, he was the absolute monarch. He chose when a man would live or when he would die. But in the Medo-Persian empire, there was a check on the king's authority. He could make a law, but he could not cancel the law. So, Jarius immediately sees the possibility of establishing a test and a way of bringing together all of his top administrative people to be certain that they were absolutely loyal to him. I'm sure for him it was a loyalty test, much more than imagining that he was God, although in that culture... Kings sometimes establish themselves as gods. (laughs) Unfortunately, I think they still do. So the king agreed. And he published the decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prayed to any god or man except to the king would be thrown into the lion's den. Now, When Daniel learned that this decree had been published, he went home, he went to his apartment, and he went into his his bedroom. And he was accustomed to opening the windows that faced toward Jerusalem, and there three times a day, offering supplication to the mighty God of heaven. Giving him thanks and praise and honor, but also asking God for wisdom and understanding and for direction in the administration of the kingdom first of Nebuchadnezzar and now of Darius. This was what he was accustomed to doing and and the decree is made, and he does not change. He does not bend. He knows that the penalty will be death. The lion's den. He is there on his knees, bowing before the Almighty, just as he had done before. These men come as a group, and they find Daniel in the act of praying and asking God for help. They go to the king, and they say, Did you not publish a decree that during the next thirty days anyone who praised any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to him, O king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. He's from Judah. He pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Now when the king heard this, He was greatly distressed. I'm certain he called his attorneys, his royal advisors, to see if there was any way around this decree that he had made. He was determined to rescue Daniel, if at all possible, and he worked until sundown to save Daniel. Now I want to stop for a moment. I made an opening statement. Every Christian is going to face the lion's den. How do you face it? Well, one of the things we have to do before we face the lions is decide ahead of time how we stand. In the heat of the moment, you might not make the right decision, it has to be settled in your mind. Will you, at all cost, serve and believe and trust in Jesus Christ? No. I have faced many trials, and the Lord God of heaven has carried me through everyone and delivered me. But many years ago, when I was just a boy, I made a decision... And that decision was that I was going to serve the almighty God of heaven. I was going to be a pastor and I would not turn to the left or to the right. And I would not, I would not try to build my own financial kingdom. I made those decisions. I recently had a man approach me with a wonderful business proposition I turned him down. Why? Because I've made a commitment to the Lord that I will only receive from his hand what he chooses to give me. I've made a determination that I have been bought at a price, according to Paul, the Apostle Paul. I've been bought at a price. I am not my own. I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to turn from that. Now, does that mean that things will not get hard? no i'm I'll tell you what I'm doing In these last couple days. I've been crying out to God about the cost of radio. Why? Well, because this month of July is proving exceptionally difficult. Usually by this time in the month, about half of the radio money has already been donated to cover the cost. About $2,000. So far this month, $501 have been donated either on the webpage or or by check in the mail. So I look at this and I say Lord. You told me to go on the radio. You've not told me to withdraw. Therefore I'm going to stand by faith. That you will move in the hearts of your people. And they will give. So now. Now. What should I do? Well, I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been standing by faith, and I've been rejoicing, and I've been saying, Jesus, I have a Red Sea in front of me. I can't make that Red Sea open. But I have faith in your name and in your precious blood. And so I'm going to stand and rejoice and rejoice. And thank you that all of the resources have come. I'm going to come and thank you that radio for the month of July is paid for. What is it paid for? No, not by a long shot. But you see, I don't go by circumstances. I go by what the word of the Lord is to me. How do you face the lion's den? By having had many prior experiences where you have faced the impossible, where you have faced total loss, total breakdown, and the Lord has rescued you. And so finally, when you come to the lion's den, you say, Lord, you've not told me to pull back. You've not told me to change. So I stand by faith and I will go straight ahead and I'm going to trust you. I don't know how to live any other way now. For the Lord... Is a mighty God. And in his hands, he holds our lives. He holds our ways. He knows who we are. And he loves us. And so we wait upon him. Now, these functionaries. The swamp creatures. They come to the king at sundown and they say, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. Some of you are facing dire financial needs. Some of you are facing dire marital concerns. Some of you are facing disease, sickness. Some of you are working in a place that you hate. You're facing lion's dens. The king's word is absolutely right. And it, it speaks to my heart. And I know it must speak to your heart today. May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Now you notice that the king is relatively new. I don't know how much time has passed, but he's a new king, a new kingdom, the Medes and the Persians. But already he knows that Daniel constantly, continually serves his God. And based on what he has heard about Daniel from the past and based on what he has seen of Daniel's integrity, and the way he walks before God. He says, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Some of you want to be rescued, but you've not continually served God. You've served yourself. And now you're in trouble and you're asking God, would he come and rescue you? Well, No, he won't, except for some wonderful act of mercy and love on the part of the Lord. And he does that sometimes, because it is his kindness to us that calls us to repent. I know a man who rebelled against the Lord, did not take his job seriously, was lazy and was promptly fired. And I said to him, it may be some time before you find another job. I'll pray with you about it, but I don't know if the Lord will rescue you quickly because you have walked in arrogance before him and you've been lazy and you've not honored his name at work. You brought shame on the name. You said you were a Christian, but you didn't act like a Christian. Well, within a matter of days, he had another job offer. I was so pleased and so happy for him. And he knew it was just the kindness and mercy of God. (laughs) And I spoke to him just recently. All I could do was praise and worship the name of Jesus and say, I didn't deserve this job, but I love it and I'm taking it seriously and I'm working hard. I don't know what your situation is. But I know that you can't play with God. But I also know God is exceptionally merciful and kind and loving. So Daniel is brought and he's put in the lion's den. Now a stone is brought it's rolled over the mouth of the cave and the king seals it and the nobles seal it so that no one can remove that stone until the morning. The king returns to his palace, and history tells us that he was quite a playboy, that he was a wicked king. He was very much given to entertainment, the dancing girls, the the fornication. He returns to his palace, and he spends the night without eating, In other words, he begins to fast. He does not allow any entertainment to come. And he couldn't go to sleep. He was so troubled by what had happened in his kingdom because he saw the bitter jealousy of his swamp people, his administrators. He saw the wickedness of these, of these men. And he was troubled because he had come to trust deeply in Daniel's advice. He was a man of great wisdom, and he helped the king establish the Medo-Persian kingdom. At the first light of dawn, the king was up. And the scriptures say he hurried to the lion's den. You can almost see him running. Kings don't run normally. But this king this morning was running with his robes flapping in the breeze. And he came near to the den. And he calls out to Daniel. The scriptures say in an anguished voice. Daniel servant of the living God. Has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Again, we have the king recognizing that Daniel continually served his God. Do you have that reputation? Do your workmates know that you continually serve the God of heaven, and do they see that reflected in the way you operate in your job? Does your wife see that you continually serve Jesus as Lord? Does your husband see that you continually serve Jesus, that you have no self-interest That you have in your heart the interest of building the kingdom of God. That you're not there for money. You're not there for power. You're not there for wickedness. You're there for the glory of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Are there testimonies on the part of people around you? that there's no corruption in you there's no lying there's no cheating there's no stealing you're honest you're straight you're loving you're kind you're merciful is that the testimony about your life it's interesting my mother many years ago lost the the knee and it couldn't be replaced and as a result, none of the family could take care of her, so she was in a nursing facility. Now, I would go every week at some distance and visit my mother, and I would take her one of her favorite dinners. Now, she'd not been there long before we began to get reports about her. And the report was, Orpha is so kind. Orpha is always smiling at us and speaking kindly to us. Many years earlier, she had, as a bacteriologist traveled to Africa where she installed a medical lab in a, in a hospital. She found all of the equipment necessary, non-computerized because there was no air conditioning. She went to Africa and she trained people who lived there how to perform all of the tests, the blood tests, all of the work of a of a medical technician. Now she began to get some angry retorts from other missionaries because each of the missionaries had servants in their home. They had to hire locals to come in. She had a person who did all of the cooking for her, She had another person who did all of the house cleaning for her. She had a person who did the shopping for her. They took wonderful care of of Orpha. But the other missionaries became very angry with her because she was paying those who worked with her for her. She was paying them very well much more than any of the other missionaries were paying. And it was beginning to look badly upon them. And they were being asked to pay like Orpha paid. Well, I heard that report and I just shouted with praise to Jesus. What an incredible thing that this woman, 75 years of age in Africa, Installing for a year a new medical clinic and training people how to do the tests. The report coming back that she did not cheat the locals. That she paid them very well. When she left, there was a huge gathering in her honor. Which was unusual for the missionaries. People coming and giving the report that Orpha is always helping them, counseling them, spending time with them, being friends with them, being Jesus to them. What is your reputation? Do you have a reputation of being a whiner, a complainer, a grumbler? Or is there a peace in your heart? Is there a a joy in your spirit? What is your reputation? Daniel's reputation was that he was continually serving his God and there was no corruption in him. There was no evil in him. He was always there to be with integrity, a helper, a servant. the king is very concerned and he cries out Daniel, servant of the living God I like that that's his reputation he's a servant of the living God is that your reputation? or do you have a reputation that you are a penny pincher? That you're cheap, that you'll never help unless you get something out of it. What is your reputation? Do you understand how vital that is before the Lord Jesus? He knows our ways, He knows who we are. (laughs) Daniel replies from the depth of that lion's den. O king, live forever. May God, my God, sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done anything wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed. He gave orders to lift Daniel out of that den. And when Daniel was lifted up from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I want to say to you, please, are you willing to trust in your God? If you don't have a reputation of being an honest kind person, if you don't have a reputation of caring and helping, then the lions might eat you. No, I'm sure in the middle of the night, he was there all night, and I'm sure he didn't sleep. I wonder if the lions came up and sniffed him. I wonder if they came up and licked him. I wonder if he petted one of the lions. I don't know what happened that night in that lion's den. Did they come and growl and roar all night at him? After all, he was dinner. And the Lord would not let them eat him. The Lord rules over the Sea of Galilee. The Lord rules over lions. The Lord rules over whoever it is that's coming to devour you. The question is, what's your reputation? Do you have a reputation of being a servant of the Most High God? Daniel was the servant of Almighty God. Now the king is overjoyed. He knows this is A complete miracle. He's never put anyone in the lion's den before that has not been immediately crushed and devoured. Now the king commands that the men who had falsely accused Daniel be brought in and they are thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children and before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all of their bones. Darius is king. He can do as he pleases. Jesus is king, and he can do as he pleases with you. Your life is in the hands of Jesus. This radio broadcast, it's in the hands of Jesus and at the end of july you know what i'm going to do i'm going to thank you for giving but i'm going to know it was jesus who moved in your heart to give that the gospel of jesus could go forth with power with authority i know it will not be it will not be me it will be the deliverance of the lord because I serve him continually. Now, are the lions sniffing you? Are they going to eat you? Are you going to make it through this medical crisis? Are you going to make it through this financial crisis? Are you going to be safe in Jesus? My late wife was dying of cancer. She said to me, Ray, I want you to preach the funeral service for me. That was one of the hardest things I think I've ever done. She said, I want you to say to the people, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I did just that. It was not the lions who devoured my late wife. It was Jesus saying, it's time for her to come home. You see, when we put our trust totally and completely in Jesus, we stand by faith and we don't waver. But what we stand in faith for and what we do not waver about is that we stand by faith that the will of God will be done in our situation and that we will receive from the hand of Jesus exactly what he wants to give us with no complaints, with shouts of praise and joy, because we belong to the Lord. So this is not some make-believe deal where we're always going to be rescued from the lions. No, the lions may eat us, and if they do... And we serve Jesus continually. We have the assurance that nothing can touch us. Nothing can harm us. Except as it is allowed by the hand of Jesus for our good and the good of his kingdom. And so the Lord, as Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not fate. It's very personal. It's between you and Jesus. King Darius then wrote to all the peoples and nations and men of every language throughout all the land. And he said, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Remember, the decree cannot be changed, can't be altered. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And then just this very... Curse, note. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Today, I serve the Lord. Do you? I look... In the book of James, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Well, I wondered, what is that wisdom that's being spoken of? And of course, the scripture always answers those kinds of questions. I want to read it for you. This is chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven, in other words, ask for the wisdom. Now, what is the wisdom? It's not intellectual, smart, listen to what the wisdom is. It's first of all, pure. So ask God for a pure heart today. It's peace-loving. It's considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So the peace that God is willing to give you, if you don't doubt, is the same peace, the same wisdom that Daniel had. God does not change with the shadows. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And the wisdom God wants to pour out into your life is first and foremost... A pure heart without any sin. For Jesus at the cross made provision for all sin to be removed from your heart and your life to make you righteous. He will make you a considerate person, a submissive person, that is, a servant. He will cause you to be filled with mercy and good fruit. He will make you impartial, not showing favoritism. He will make you sincere. And that word sincere is very interesting. If you go to the market in that culture in that day and you buy a clay pot, you want to know, is this clay pot a sincere pot? Now, the one who made that pot knows exactly what you're saying. Have you filled in a crack in this pot so when I take it home and I put it on the fire, the wax will melt and my contents will leak out? You don't want a pot that just looks good. You want a sincere pot. You want a pot that's not cracked. The wisdom that God gives is the giving of us sincerity. No cracks. He makes us peacemakers because the harvest that comes from this kind of wisdom is stikosune in the Greek. It's innocence. It's righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet. But you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You don't have it because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You see, Daniel was a friend of God. He was highly esteemed. We'll find later in the book of Daniel. And and we're going to continue into the prophecies of Daniel tomorrow. But I want you to notice who the man Daniel is. He's a sincere man. He's a man who has asked for the wisdom of God. And God has given him a pure heart know how vital it is to ask God for a pure heart so that when you lay down to sleep you're not troubled by your conscience when you meet someone you're not troubled by your conscience because you know what you have said behind their backs gossiping and slandering them no when you come you come as a peace-loving person You come considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere. You make good choices and and honest decisions. And the result is you're innocent before God. And your reputation then is, this is a woman, this is a man, this is a boy or girl who continually serves jesus christ there's no turning in them they serve jesus now do i come by faith with supplications yes just as daniel did i pray for you i pray for the salvation of precious people that i love who are still walking in darkness i pray for the church i pray for revival I pray and I stand by faith that God has heard my prayer because I don't pray these things for myself to spend on my own pleasure. I pray these things for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, for the glory of his name. Because I serve Jesus Christ continually. And I trust what he's doing. I trust what he's doing in you. I spoke this morning with a a dear brother who listens regularly, Mike. Mike has such a powerful testimony of, of his faith in Jesus Christ and the total transformation of his life. Soon we're going to interview him on this radio broadcast. But he has a fabulous testimony, and now his heart cry is to serve Jesus Christ continually witnessing, sharing the story of his salvation, sharing the story of what Jesus has done in him, I praise God for what God is doing in you all as you listen to this broadcast, and I call you to take a stand by faith and serve God continually. Put your feet under his table. Receive only what Jesus wants to give you, and when he gives you something, use it for his kingdom, not for the selfish desires of your own heart. Seek the face of Jesus. (laughs) and he will meet you. The book of James says that all good gifts come down from the Father of lights. This is the first chapter of James, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Well, we're out of time for today. I hope this has been helpful to you to face your lion's den. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.